Section 7 of Aunt Judy's Tales. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Ruhi Huck. Aunt Judy's Tales by Margaret Gatty. Section 7 Nothing to Do, Part 1 had i a little son i would christian him nothing to do charles lamb there is a complaint which is not to be found in the doctor's books but which is nevertheless such a common and troublesome one that one heartily wishes some physique could be discovered which would cure it it may be called the nothing to do complaint even quite little children are subject to it but they never have it badly parents and nurses have only to give them something to do or tell them of something to do and the thing is put right a puzzle or a picture book relieves the attack at once but after the children have overgrown puzzles and picture books and nurses and when even a parent's advice is received with a little impatience then the nothing to do complaint if it seizes them at all is a serious disease and often very difficult to cure and if not cured alas then follows the melancholy spectacle of grown-up men and women who are a plague to their friends and a weariness to themselves because living under the notion that there is nothing for them to do they want everybody else to do something to amuse them anyone can laugh at the old story of the gentleman who got into such a fanciful state of mind hypochondriacal it is called that he thought he was his own umbrella and so on coming in from a walk would go and lay it in the easy chair by the fire while he himself went and leant up against the wall in a corner of the hall but this gentleman was not a bit more fanciful and absurd than the people whether young or old who look out of windows on rainy days and groan because there is nothing to do there is so much for everybody to do that most people leave half their share undone the oddest part of the complaint is that it generally comes on worst in those who from being comfortably off in the world and from having had a great deal of education have such a variety of things to do that one would fancy they could never be at a loss for a choice but these are the very people who are most afflicted it is always the young people who have books and leisure and music and drawing and gardens and pleasure grounds and villagers to be kind to who lounge to the rain bespattered windows on a dull morning and groan because there is nothing to do in justice to girls in general it should be here mentioned that they are on the whole less liable to the complaint than the young lords of the creation who are supposed to be their superiors in sense philosophers may excuse this as they please but the fact remains that there are few large families in england whose sisterhoods have not at times been teased half out of their wits by the growlings of its young gentlemen during the paroxysms of the nothing to do complaint growling being one of its most characteristic symptoms perhaps among all the suffering sisterhoods it would have been difficult to find a young lady less liable to catch such a disorder herself than aunt judy and perhaps that was the reason why she used to do such tremendous battle with number three whenever after his return from school for the holidays he happened to have an attack 
what are you groaning at through the window number three she inquired on one such occasion is it raining a very gruff sounding no was the answer number three not condescending to turn round as he spoke he proceeded however to state that it had rained when he got up and he supposed it would rain again as a matter of course for his especial annoyance being implied and he concluded it's so horribly slow here with nothing to do number six who was sitting opposite aunt judy doing a french exercise here looked up at her sister and perceiving a smile steal over her face took upon herself to think her brother's remark very ridiculous so said she with a saucy giggle i can find you plenty to do number three in a minute come and write my french exercise for me number three turned sharply round at this with a frown on his face which by no means added to its beauty and called out now miss pert i recommend you to hold your tongue i don't want any advice from a conceited little minx like you miss pert was extinguished at once and set to work at the french exercise again almost industriously and a general silence ensued but people in the nothing to do complaint are never quiet for long teasing is quite as constant a symptom of it as growling so number three soon came lounging from the window to the table and began i say judy i wish you would put those tiresome books and drawings and rubbish away and i think of something to do but it's the books and the drawings and the rubbish that give me something to do cried aunt judy you surely don't expect me to give them up and go arm in arm with you round the house bemoaning the slowness of our fate which gives us nothing to do shall we come i don't care i will if you like but which shall we complain to first mamma or the maids come which mamma or the maids while miss pert opposite was labouring with all her might to smother the laugh she dared not indulge in but number three pushed aunt judy testily away nonsense judy what has that to do with it it's all very well for you girls now miss pert mind your own affairs and don't stare at me to amuse yourself with all manner of follies of course cried aunt judy laughing don't be afraid of speaking out number three it's all very well for us girls to amuse ourselves with all manner of follies and nonsense and rubbish here aunt judy chucked the drawing-book to the end of the table tossed a dictionary after it and threw another book or two in the air catching them as they came down while you superior sensible young man that you are born to be the comfort of your family be quiet interrupted number three trying to stop her but she ran round the table and proceeded and the enlightener of mankind can't no no number three i won't be stopped can't amuse yourself with anything because everything is so horribly slow there's nothing to do so you want to tie yourself to your foolish sister's apron string it's too bad shouted number three and a race round the table began between them but aunt judy dodged far too cleverly to be caught so it ended in their resting at opposite ends number six and her french exercises lying between them number six my dear cried aunt judy in the lull of exertion i proclaim a holiday from folly and rubbish 
put your books away and put your impertinence away too hold your tongue and don't be miss pest and vanish as soon as you can miss pert performed two or three putting away evolutions with the velocity of a sunbeam and darted off through the door now then we'll be reasonable observed aunt judy and carrying a chair to the front of the fire she sat down and motioned to number three to do the same taking out from a pocket a little bit of embroidery work which she kept ready for chatting hours number three was always willing to listen to aunt judy he desired nothing better than to get her undivided attention and pour out his groans in her ear so he sat down with a very good grace and proceeded to insist that there was that there never was anything so slow as it was aunt judy wanted to know what it was the place or the people including herself or what number three could explain it no other way than by declaring that everything was slow and there was nothing to do aunt judy maintained that there was plenty to do whereupon number three said but nothing worth doing whereupon aunt judy told number three that he was just like dr faustus on which of course number three wanted to know what dr faustus was like and aunt judy answered that he was just like him only a great deal older and very learned only quite different then suggested number three no said aunt judy not quite different for he came one day to the same conclusion that you have done namely that there was nothing to do worth doing in the world i don't say the world i'd only say here observed number three there's plenty to do elsewhere i dare say so you think because you have not tried elsewhere answered aunt judy but dr faustus who had tried elsewhere thought everywhere alike and declared there was nothing worth doing anywhere although he had studied law physic divinity and philosophy all through and knew pretty nearly everything then you see he did not get much good out of learning remarked number three i do see was the reply and what became of him at that point replied aunt judy and a very remarkable point too as soon as he got into the state of fancying there was nothing to do worth doing in god's world the evil spirit came to him and found him something to do in what i may i am sure call the devil's world i mean wickedness oh that's a story written upon what sold him exclaimed number three contemptuously for satan finds some mischief still for idle hands to do judy i call that a regular sell not a bit of it cried aunt judy warmly i don't suppose the man who wrote the story ever saw what's hymns or intended to teach anything half as good it's mamma's moral she told me that she screwed it out of the story though she doubted whether it was meant to be there and what's the rest of the story then inquired number three whose curiosity was aroused well when the old doctor found the world as it was so slow as you very unmeaningly call it he took to conjuring and talking with evil spirits by way of amusement and then they easily persuaded him to be wicked merely because it gave him something fresh and exciting to do what's him again i told you so exclaimed number three but the story's all nonsense from beginning to end nobody can conjure or talk to evil spirits in reality so the whole thing is impossible 
and where you find the moral i don't know number three leant back and yawned as he concluded he was rather disappointed that nothing more entertaining had come out of the story of dr faustus but aunt judy had by no means done impossible about conjuring and actually talking to evil spirits certainly said she but spiritual influences both bad and good come to us all no number three without bodily communion so for those who are inclined to feel like dr faustus there is both a moral and a warning in his fate i don't know about what cried number three i think he was uncommonly stupid after all he had learnt to get into such a mess why you yourself are always trying to make out the more people labour and learn the more sure they are to keep out of mischief now then how do you account for the story of your friend dr faustus because like king solomon he did not labour and learn in a right spirit or to the right end replied aunt judy lord bacon remarks that when after the creation god looked upon everything he had made behold it was very good whereas when man turned him about and took a view of the world and his own labours in it he found that all was vanity and vexation of spirit why did he come to such a different conclusion do you think i suppose because the world had got bad before king solomon's time suggested number three its inhabitants had replied aunt judy they had become subject to sin and misery but the world was still god's creation and proofs of the very good for which he had pronounced over it were to be found in every direction and even in fallen man if solomon had the sense or rather i should say good feeling to look for them ah number three there was plenty to be learnt and done that would not have ended in vanity and vexation of spirit if solomon had learnt in order to trace out the glory of god instead of establishing his own and if he had worked to create so far as was in his power a world of happiness for other people instead of seeking nothing but his own amusement if he had worked in the spirit of god in short but who can nobody exclaimed number three yes everybody who tries can to a certain extent said aunt judy it only wants the right feeling some of the godlike feeling which originated the creation of a beautiful world and caused the contemplation of it to produce the sublime complacency which is described and god looked upon everything he had made and behold it was very good it's a sermon judy cried number three half bored yet half amused at the notion of her preaching i'll set up a pulpit for you at once shall i no no be quiet number three exclaimed aunt judy i wish you would try and understand what i say well then said number three it appears to me that do what one might now the world has grown bad it would be impossible to pronounce that very good as a result of one's work there would always be something miserable and unsatisfactory at the end of everything i mean even if one really was to look into things closely and work for other people's good as you say there might be something miserable and unsatisfactory in the result certainly answered aunt judy but that it would all be vanity and vexation of spirit i deny our blessed saviour came into the world after it had grown bad remember and he worked solely for the restoration of the very good which sin had defaced it was undoubtedly miserable and unsatisfactory that he should be rejected 
by the very creatures he came to help but when he uttered the words it is finished the work which he had accomplished he might well have looked upon and called very good very very good even beyond the creation were that possible there can be no comparison between our saviour and us murmured number three no replied his sister but only let people work in the same direction and they will have more profit of their labour than king solomon ever owned to who had one fears only learnt in order to be learned and worked to please himself no man who employs himself in tracing out god's footsteps in the world or in working in god's spirit for the world will ever find such labours end in vanity and vexation of spirit solomon dr faustus and the grumblers have only themselves to thank for their disappointment very it's very curious observed number three getting up and stretching himself over the fire i mean about solomon and dr faustus but what can one do what can you or i do it's absurd to be fancying one can do good to one's fellow-creatures none the less there is one i want you to do good to at the present moment said aunt judy if it's not actually raining don't you remember what despair number one was in this morning when father sent her off on the pony in such a hurry ah that pony that was just what i wanted myself interrupted number three exactly of course replied aunt judy but you were not the messenger father wanted so do not let us go all over that ground again pray the fact was number one had just heard that her pet tawny rachel was very ill and she wanted to go and see her and give her some good advice and i am to go instead now number three suppose you go instead of me and save me a wet walk number three of course began by protesting that it was not possible that he could do any good to an old woman old women were not at all in his way he could only say how do you do and come away aunt judy disputed this she thought he could offer her some creature comforts and ask whether she had seen the doctor and what he said as number one particularly wished to know what an idea no no he must decline inquiring what the doctor said it would be absurd but he could offer her something to eat and just ask if she had had the doctor well just that and come away it would not occupy many minutes but he wished while aunt judy was about it she had found him something rather longer to do aunt judy promised to see what could be devised on his return and number three departed and a very happily chosen errand it was for it happened in this case as it so constantly does happen that what was begun for other people's sake ended in personal gratification number three went to see tawny rachel out of good-natured compliance with aunt judy's request but found an interest and amusement in the visit itself which he had not in the least expected ten twenty thirty minutes elapsed and he had not returned and when he did so at last he burst into the house far more like an avalanche than a young gentleman who could find nothing to do coming in the back way he ran into the kitchen and told the servants to get some hot water ready directly for he was sure something would be wanted then passing forward he shouted to know where his mother was and having found her entreated entreated she would order some comfortable gruelly stuff or other to be made for the sick old woman particularly insisting that it should have ale or wine 
as well as spice and sugar in it he was positive that it was just what she ought to have she had said how cold she was and how glad she should be of something to warm her inside and there was nobody to do anything for her at home what a shame it was for a poor old creature like that to be left with only two dirty boys to look after her and they always at play in the street her daughter and husband were working out and she sat moaning over the fire from pain without any one to care tender-hearted and impulsive if thoughtless the spirit of number three had been moved with him within him at the spectacle of the gaunt old woman in this hour of her lonely suffering poor tawny rachel the children had called her so from the heroine of mrs hannah moore's tale because of those dark gypsy eyes of hers which had formerly given such a fine expression to a handsome but melancholy face melancholy because careworn from the long life's struggle for daily bread for a large indulged family who scarcely knew at the day of her death that she had worn herself out for their sakes poor tawny rachel she was one day asked by a well-meaning shopkeeper of whom she had purchased a few goods where she thought she was going to tawny rachel turned her sad eyes upon her interrogator and made answer going to why where do you think i'm going to but to heaven deed where do you think i'm going to but to heaven she repeated to herself slowly as if to recover breath and then added i should like to know who heaven is for if not for such as me that have slaved all their lives through for other folk and so saying tawny rachel turned round again and went away poor tawny rachel the theology was imperfect enough but so had been her education and advantages yet as surely as her scrupulous never-failing honesty and unmurmuring self-denial must have been inspired by something beyond human teaching so surely did it prove no difficult to lead her onwards to those simple verities of the christian faith which in her case seemed to solve the riddle of a weary unsatisfactory life and confiding in which the approach of death became to her the advent of the prince of peace but she had quite cheered up remarked number three at the notion of something comforting and good and so he had come off at once at once the exclamation came from aunt judy who had entered the room and was listening to the account why number three you must have been there an hour at least and nevertheless i dare say you have forgotten about the doctor the doctor cried number three laughing it's the doctor who has kept me all this time you never heard such fun in your life only he's an awful old rascal i must say mamma and aunt judy gazed at number three in bewilderment the respectable old village practitioner who had superintended all the diseases in the place for nearly half a century to be called an awful old rascal at last what could number three be thinking of certainly not of the respectable village practitioner as he soon explained by describing the arrival at tawny rachel's cottage of a travelling quack with a long white beard my dear number three exclaimed mamma mother dear i can't help it cried number three and proceeded to relate that while he was sitting with the old woman 
listening to the account of her aches and pains some one looked in at the door and asked if she wanted anything but before she could speak remarked how ill she seemed and said he could give her something to do her good judy added number three suddenly breaking off he looked just like dr faustus i'm sure never mind about that cried aunt judy tell us what tawny rachel said oh she called out that he must give it if she was to have it for she had nothing to pay for it with i had a shilling in my pocket and was just going to offer it when i recollected he would most likely do her more harm than good but the gentleman with the white beard walked in immediately set his pack down the table and said then my good woman i shall give it you and out he brought a bottle and tasted it before he gave it to her and promised her that it would cure her if she took it all my dear number three repeated mamma once more yes i know she can't be cured mother and i think she knows it too but still she took it very kind as she called it of him and asked him if he would like to rest him a bit by the fire and the gentleman accepted the invitation and there we all three sat for really i quite enjoyed seeing him and he began to warm his hands remarking that the young gentleman that was i you know looked very well oh judy i very nearly said thank you dr faustus but i only laughed and nodded and really did hold my tongue and then the two began to talk and it was as good as any story you ever invented aunt judy tawny rachel was very inquisitive and asked him you've come a long way sir i suppose yes ma'am i'm a great traveller and i have been so a many years it's a wonder you have not settled before now i might have settled ma'am a many times ah when folks once began wandering they can't settle down you were maybe brought up to it i was brought up to something a great deal better than that ma'am you was sir it's a pity i'm sure my father was physician to queen elizabeth ma'am a many years when number three arrived at this point of the dialogue mamma and aunt judy both exclaimed at once and the former repeated once more the expostulatory my dear number three which delighted number three who proceeded to assure him that he had himself interrupted the travelling quack here by suggesting that it was queen charlotte he meant old queen charlotte you know judy that number one was telling the children about the other day but the gentleman as number three called him had turned very red at the doubt thus thrown on his accuracy and put a rather threatening croak into his voice and said asking your pardon young gentleman i know what i'm saying and it was queen elizabeth and not charlotte nor anybody else number three described that he had felt it best after this to hold his tongue and say no more so tawny rachel put in her word and remarked it was a wonder the queen hadn't made their fortunes on which the gentleman turned rather red again and said that the queen did make their fortune but wouldn't let them keep it for fear they should be too great and too rich that was it this statement required a little explanation but the gentleman was ready with all particulars the queen used to pay his father by hundreds of pounds at a time because that was due to him but being jealous of his having so much money she always set some one to take it away from him as he left the place so that was the reason why there was no fortune put by for him after his father died 
and that was the reason why he couldn't very well settle at first though everybody wished him to stay and so he took to travelling for his father had left him all his secrets and he was qualified to practise anywhere and had cured some thousands of sick folks up and down number three declared that he had not made the old man's account of himself a bit more unconnected than it really was and on the whole it sounded very imposing to poor tawny rachel who watched his departure with a sort of respectful awe number three added that not liking to curb her faith either in the man or the bottle he had himself helped her to the first dose and had then begun to talk about the creature comforts before described the very mention of which seemed to cheer the old lady's heart and to interest her at least as much as the biography of the travelling quack so now mother concluded he order the gruel and we'll give three cheers for queen elizabeth and dr faustus eh judy but i do think the poor old thing ought not to take that man's poisonous rubbish so here's my shilling and welcome if you'll give some more and let us send for a real doctor the nothing to do morning had nearly slipped away between the conversation with aunt judy and the visit to tawny rachel and when soon after a friend called to take number three on a fossil hunt and he had to snatch a hasty morsel before his departure he declared he was like the poor governess in the song who was sure to find out with attention and zeal that she'd scarcely have time to partake of a meal there was so much to do but you're a capital fellow judy he added kissing her and you'll tell me a story when i come back and off he ran shutting his ears to aunt judy's declaration that she only told stories to the little ones nor would she on his return and during the cosy evening nothing to do hour consent to devote herself on this especial amusement only so after arguing the point for a time he very wisely yielded and declared at last that he would be a little one too and listen to a little one's story if aunt judy would tell one End of nothing to do part one